Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio, and joining me on this Valentine's Day, the lovely Jason Rosenbaum <laughs> from the St. Louis Beacon. And Joe Manis from the St. Louis Beacon. And, you know, I can think of no better way to spend Valentine's Day than just curling up maybe with a glass of wine and listening to the Politically Speaking podcast. <laughs> I, you, know, you know, Chris, I love how when we record on a holiday, you always find some way to incorporate that into your introduction. Very timely. Very timely. Or they listen to the Mayoral Forum, the repeats. Yes. I think Channel 9 is uh, showing it. They might be showing it uh, tonight or something like that. Or you can listen to it on uh, stlpublicradio.org. But there was a mayoral forum on Monday that was put on by St. Louis on the Air. Um, It had all three of the candidates, including Jimmy Matthews. The Democrats. All all three of the Democrats. Yes, all three of the Democratic candidates for the March 5th primary. You had your Jimmy Matthews, the former alderman and former school teacher. You had your Lewis Reed, the president of the board of aldermen, and you had incumbent Mayor Slay. For about 50 minutes, it it focused on the issues. The basic stuff that they've been focusing on. Crime, Crime, education, economic development, the Rams. Water. Yeah, the water water department. Yeah. Which was obviously a very timely issue in the State of the Union. (laughs) <laughs> continue. Well, hold on. Let me take a drink of water before we continue. Okay, now I'm good. Uh, but then for about the last seven minutes, it kind of devolved into tax returns, slush funds, personal financial disclosures. Well, it started out, I think, because it was when Don Marsh, host Don Marsh, who does an excellent job, yes, when Don very adroitly asked Reed if he was going to produce his tax returns, which is what Slay did. The Beacon had them last yes. week yep. um, for five years. wasn't? And uh, so he asked Reed if he was going to follow suit. Uh, in fact, I, the Beacon had been asking Reed for a couple of weeks because we actually had them available for a few days from the mayor. But initially, some of the the the... Mayor's camp initially was indicating that they thought that either everybody should release them or nobody would. And then and then on last Thursday, the mayor was like, OK, fine, you guys can just run with it. Well, Reed had been indicating his campaign that maybe he would produce something. But then on Monday, he made it clear that he's not. He won't. And then he quickly pivoted in the in in the, in the same conversation right. to the um, his campaign's previous allegation regarding. Uh, a group that had been set up to uh, promote the earnings tax back in April 2011. And the mayor had been involved in the funding. Uh, I think it was it's called for a stronger St. Louis. And um, after that was over, it had about $150,000 left, and it had then shifted that into a nonprofit by the same name. Now, Brad Ketcher, who's a lawyer involved in various Democratic things, says that uh, he called all the donors. Some of the donors wanted their money back. I mean, uh, the ones who didn't agreed to have it in the nonprofit. But the nonprofit has filed uh, 990s with the IRS, which shows where it's given the money to. And none of it's gone to any political things. But Reed's campaign still is not convinced. And so Reed was asserting that the mayor needs to provide uh, a money trail and a checkbook showing what happened that 150000 And the mayor said, I don't know what you're talking about. 
uh, because it doesn't really have anything to do with his campaign. Uh, read afterwards. This all then got really heightened after you, after right. it was off the air, and they were in the spin room. And Reed said that it was uh, insane that the mayor didn't know anything about it. The mayor said, why would I know anything about it? Um, they got a little tense. Did anyone ever see that South Park episode where Cartman pretends to be Glenn Beck and he's like, make some accusations? And I'm just asking questions here. Without saying <laughs> that Lewis Reed's accusation is true or false, because I don't want to say it's false out hand or not sure. right. It does kind of seem to be on that strategy. Like, he asks a question, people look into it, and it becomes an issue that way. So it's an it's an interesting strategy, to say the least. Well, but it's not, not unusual. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, challengers to better-funded incumbents often do. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but they often do try to bring up stuff that, in some cases, it turns out to be you know, true. In this case, it's unclear. I mean, let's let's put it this way: there, are, there, there is no evidence that any of the money ended up in the Slate campaign. There's no no evidence on the group side. There's no evidence in the mayor's campaign finance report side. Right. And frankly, the mayor has raised a zillion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a hefty amount of money, uh, uh, millions. Uh, and uh, uh, so, unless this is going to really need, yeah. pay for secretive flyers or something that the mayor doesn't want to be associated with, I just, I mean, I follow campaign finance pretty closely. So does Joe. These third-party groups, even these nonprofits, this is a 501c4, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong. 501c4s are allowed to be involved in the political process. As I long thought it was a 501c3, but, but, it, but, it, but either way, you're right. I, I read in The American today that it was a 501c4, and I could be wrong because I'm just going by another source there. But it's very common for these nonprofits to be involved. But, you know, they, there, is a, there is a question about whether you disclose what you're spending money on. and Well, they have to. Yeah. And so, I mean, there, as I said, there's no evidence that they've given anything to the mayor's campaign. And, there's, and the mayor's campaign would have to disclose it. Yeah. And if they were giving some money, they also have to uh, – it, 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 it would have to be on the Missouri ethics site for this group. And there's nothing there's, – there's no evidence that any of this is um, – yeah. And, 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 and I, after the forum, I was talking to Lewis Reed and I asked him, you know, if you're alleging wrongdoing, why haven't you filed a complaint with the Missouri Ethics Commission? Yeah. And, yeah. and his answer for that was, well, we're hoping that it doesn't have to come to that. Uh, but Well, you know, again, I'm not really sure St. Louis Joe or St. Louis Nancy is really following this issue no. that closely. The, well, the, the, well, the, this is probably but, just more for the political junkies but, like but that. But if you're listening to a forum and yeah. you hear things about a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, oh fund, yeah, that just sounds bad. You don't, oh, yeah, you, yeah. You can't you don't. But I'm just saying. I mean, uh, people that live in St. Louis City, this type of stuff is is probably interesting for the political subtext. But it, I think they probably were listening more to the first fifty minutes of that forum where they were talking about issues and what these people are going to do to make this very challenged city better. And, I mean, I've said that a few times on this podcast, that that is why I think there's a lot of interest in this race. So. Well, it's more for the broader context of them trying to ca- make an, an impression or, you know, race that Reed's having a press conference later today, which at least a couple of us will probably be at. Yes, and, we will. And uh, he's going to make some accusations. I don't know if they'll be true or not, but, again, this is – what they're trying to do is build a narrative, raising questions about uh, 
how the mayor has operated his office. And, of course, the Slay campaign is in turn pushing back, saying, A, wait a minute, there's there's no there there. B, uh, the, the mayor has been running his campaign in part on his ethical behavior, but the fact that there have been no uh, personal controversies uh, re- involving his staff. I mean, there may, there may be some professional controversies about different decisions, but there's been no none of this. And I will just stuff. say, I mean, the mayor's campaign has also launched a, a negative. You attack. got a mailer, I believe. I did. I got a mailer with uh, uh, the accusation or insinuation that Lewis Reed, you know, had a conflict of interest because of the Castle Ballroom co-ownership with former U.S. Representative Russ Carnahan. I guess this is an old story, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, well, Reed and, and Russ Carnahan are very close friends, and they did several business dealings. Now, again, I mean, I, I, I don't think that, you know, St. Louis Joe and St. Louis Nancy are, are really that vexed about this, but it was notable because I do think that might be the source of an upcoming TV ad because a lot of the mailers that me and my wife have received have very much conformed with the TV ads. We've gotten one on lead poisoning. We got some right. featuring the man who had, was retired from the police department. So mm-hmm. if you are watching TV soon, I'd be on the lookout for that because yeah. I think it's coming. And see, the mayor has been running virtually all the TV ads so far. Now, Reed has got some stuff up on cable yeah. Yeah. as of this week. and yeah. but But the mayor is is the one with all the TV ads and is really flooding the airways yeah. with some of this yeah. stuff. Well, and, uh, but even before the, the mayoral forum, we had on Saturday... The very exciting decision. Very exciting decision. I was gl- Hot news. I was glued <laughs> to my computer while Twitter. I was in or- Orland Park, Illinois, to see this decision. Because a really monumental decision, it, it might be the first congressman, I believe, from the state of Missouri with the first name of Jason. <laughs> I am I Good I, news for Jason's okay. everywhere. Yeah, so just, you know, to put this in context, this is southeast Missouri, the 8th district. It's vacant since a few weeks ago cuz Joanne Emerson stepped down cuz she took a big job heading a major association in Washington DC and um, so there was a crowd of Republicans uh vying for the seat on Saturday the um Actually, it was 84 of the 86 voting Republican officials who had picked the nominee gathered in Van Buren, Missouri, mm-hmm. and uh, they had six rounds of balloting, and it got pretty heated. But in the end, Jason Smith, uh, state rep from Salem, carried the day. He led all along through all the balloting, yeah. but he didn't have enough until the end. Kinder was a lieutenant governor. Peter Kinder was a distant second. I think this does hurt Kinder's career from the standpoint that um, if he was looking to be something else other than lieutenant governor. There's not an obvious path for him. I mean, he could still run for governor in 2016, but I think he'll have some other Republicans that want to do that. And it is interesting that, you know, I think, as he mentioned, Kinder stood down a few times from running for things 
for for his reasons for the good of the party or right. party unity. Yes, he did. And so when he finally stepped up and wanted to do something else, he was basically, you know, not given that opportunity. So it, now, yeah, and this this was an insider's game. This is this was unusual in that generally you would have a primary, yeah. but but because of the circumstances and the way the state and because law is, this is a Republican seat, there's a ton of Republican officials. You wouldn't expect him just to get a free pass to this type of thing. And I think that he might have mentioned that the concern against him was that there was uncertainty about who would fill his slot if he was if he because was the vacant. governor does plan to had planned on appointing somebody to fill the slot and was expected to appoint a democrat and even though the republicans question whether the governor has the power yeah. and jason smith filed a bill about it yeah right 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 but but the fact is previous governors had yeah. and frankly but, yeah. i think the governor would had a decent chance well, of prevailing in court well, over that. Kinder will be in office for, you know, until 2016. Right. Right. But I think the real news is that, you know, there is a Republican nominee in this right. Republican district. Jason Smith has already filed a constitutional amendment proposal. I know. And the thing that is about Jason Smith, you know. To save farming, hunting, and uh, uh, fishing in Missouri. Yeah, you know. he's filed that before. And I think was reading like a lot of national coverage of this because they wrote like usually four paragraphs and everyone was just like oh this 32 year old got the nomination oh man this guy's so young wow i'm really old because this person is is younger than me he's going to be in congress and that is true he is 32 which is four years older than than me i know you talk often joe about how you were (laughs) doing stuff before each of us were born and it's true (laughs) but but in many ways his age is is a bit now, I don't want to say it's deceptive, but he's been in the legislature since early 2006, which would make him a grizzled veteran <laughs> in Missouri's term-limited legislature. And I was just going through a lot of the bills that he sponsored. And generally, you know, you have those red meat conservative right. bills that you mentioned. Yeah. But really, a lot of the bills that he's passed over the last few years have been kind of intricate, detailed professional registration bills and omnibus bills and all those sort of stuff. So even though I think he has that partisan bomb-throwing mentality when he's on the floor, he has kind of focused on maybe under-the-radar legislation, which kind of is a good combination to be a congressman in some sense because you have that nitty-gritty attention to detail, but you also there is always a partisan political element to Congress. So I mean, I don't, but I don't want to say that he's a shoe in because well, there is a Democrat. Saturday, yeah. yeah, we need to talk about what's happening this Saturday because there's been a little bit of turmoil. I mean, I wrote an article about how Linda Black was was a the presumed state rep, yeah, was the presumed Democratic nominee from Deloge from from Deloge. Things have changed pretty dramatically in the last couple of days, where it appears there might be a new conventional wisdom candidate in Steve Hodges of East Prairie, another state state rep, rep right. Um, and Steve Hodges is a really – they're both interesting figures in their own right. But Steve Hodges actually won a previously Republican seat in 2006. He's from the Boot Heel area, which is a different geographical base from Jason Smith, who's from the Rolla area. And, um, you know, last cycle, for example, he faced off against America's Got Talent winner Neil Boyd in his reelection, which many thought was going to be pretty competitive. He won, I think, with over 60 percent of the vote. So he has experience of running in difficult campaigns. Now, and in the 8th District, while it's still Republican, the new boundaries are not as Republican as they were before. Yes. It now includes uh, about the southern third of Jefferson County. So yeah. it's, it's and, I mean, he's, and, Cape, and uh, 
St. Genevieve County, which is Democratic territory. Now, like Linda Black, I would say Hodges is probably a more conservative Democrat than the than the, than many in the legislature. Um, like also Linda Black, he decided not to override that veto on that contraception bill that we covered mm-hmm. last year. Um, I'm sure that maybe may come back to where he'd have to talk about that. But I, I actually talked about that with him after he did it. He is not afraid to defend his vote on that. He's a very folksy guy. I think that he may have a different style than Jason Smith. But I mean, when it comes down to it, the eighth district is a Republican leaning district. And Jason Smith, while he is not a household name, I think from all indications, it's going to work out, work very hard to try to win this seat. Um, and it, it'll be an interesting race, but you know it's going to take it's going to take an up, it's going to be an uphill battle no matter who the Democratic nominee is. And it's going to it might depend on whether the National Democrats decide to get involved or whether they decide to sit this one out. So. Yes. Oh, oh, and we should mention in passing before we switch is that uh, this could come up this this weekend in St. Louis. Uh, the re- state Republicans will be gathering at the Renaissance Hotel for the annual. Um, Lincoln Days. Lincoln Days, which floats between Springfield and Kansas City and St. Louis. This year it's in St. Louis. So the 8th District will likely be at least a topic among the rank and file when they're not listening to speeches by such notables as... uh, uh, Bobby Jindal. Yeah, Bobby Jindal on Saturday night and Barossa, a a senator from Wyoming, on Friday night. Yeah. So that should be that should be fun, and, and the Beacon will have coverage. I, I, and I'm sure, I, I'm and sure will be there as well. And I'm sure if Jason Smith has a hospitality suite, everybody's going to go there yes. and tell them how much they've supported him throughout all of his campaigns and all of his endeavors. And Jason Smith has a reputation as a hard worker, so I would not be surprised if he will be there. Also, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some legislative deja vu. Um, there is, and Smith is involved in that too. <laughs> <laughs> we we have a voter ID bill once again coming through the House. Um, in fact, you know, bringing it back from the past, apparently I saw on on the Twitter that um, Secretary of State candidate Shane Scholler was also in the legislature yeah, for and, this. And as we yes, he was. we talked about, probably in. Way distant podcast about that race. <laughs> Go back through the archives. But this is an issue that I mean, I I sent out a tweet today. I've been covering voter ID since I was with Phil Brooks's crew at the University of Missouri Journalism School in 2006. Yes. So it does really feel like deja vu. Joe wrote something on it yesterday. If you want to yeah, talk more about, yeah, well, because I followed the. Uh, of course, I was not in Jeff City. I yeah. followed it via uh, computer because luckily they And you have can this, listen into it. You can yeah. listen into it. So I listened to the audio. Um, but yes, the bottom, a lot of the debate was the same as what's been in 2006, 2008, 2010. I mean, it's come up regularly. They almost thought they were going to have it on the ballot in 2012, but it got um, knocked off by a judge over a debate over a court fight over the ruling. So this is a two-tiered effort. Uh, so what what passed the House Wednesday night, it needs one more vote, but that's a pro forma vote. This was the big one. Uh, the the House passed a, const, uh, a joint resolution which w- to put on the ballot a proposed constitutional amendment to allow uh, a provision requiring that people come up with a photo ID, and it has to be a government-issued photo ID, and, and it— then there was another 
and that requires no gubernatorial signature. So if the Senate passes it, it'll go onto the ballot. Of course, again, there may be a court fight over the wording. We'll we'll find that out down the road. The companion bill is the implementation bill. Now, the governor previously has vetoed the implementation bills because he has he has objected to various aspects of it. Of course, he's not keen on the uh, photo ID requirement anyway because Democrats contend that this disenfranchises um, elderly uh, students, uh, minorities, uh, people who are unlikely to have a driver's license. The photo ID requirement that was passed by the House yesterday would require that it either be a driver's license, a state-issued ID, or a military ID. That's it. Now, some of the... uh, just a matter of point is that in some other states, such as Indiana, which has a photo ID requirement, they do have a broader list of what you can bring with a photo ID on it. I'm from Indiana, and I've mm-hmm. l- looked into that. So, like student IDs in Indiana are allowed, would not be w- with this. The Republicans contend this is to prevent against possible fraud, and there was accusations about the city of St. Louis. Again, there's no proof of anything, but right. uh, some rural voters have often have been wary of St. Louis area, mainly because the St. Louis area, the city and county, provides the largest block of votes in the state, period. Right. Always has. So, yeah. Right. And then, as I said, the, I laid out what the Democratic argument was. Uh, there, And uh, one of our state reps from this St. Louis area, Roy Ellinger, mentioned during the debate that this had been a big issue in the Kander-Scholler fight because Scholler had been making photo ID a big uh, part of his campaign for Secretary of State. Uh, Kander had shot back, contending that— It was extreme and unfair. Well, I'm pointing out that uh, Scholler had a bill uh, that would have barred— uh, overseas military. Well, it would have barred absentee by mail. You would yeah. have had to do it in person. And the, and Cantor pointed out that it would have knocked out um, anybody in the military who's serving overseas. And Cantor is a veteran, so it was a way for him to segue yes. into yeah. it. Yes, it was. Veteran service. But but, but, but Ellinger l- brought it up, the fact that Cantor, he said Cantor is Secretary of State because of that. And so he was saying, "Do you?" he's pointing to the Republicans, and he's saying, do you guys really want to? Go there. This may not be as popular with voters as you think. Well, yeah, I don't know if I mean it was a very close race, so yes. I, I, I do think that I don't know. I don't know about that, but um, I, I talked last week about how I thought that right to work or so-called right to work or right to whatever had very little chance of passing because of filibuster, and I think this is in somewhat of that same realm that it could be very difficult to actually get implemented because I would assume that most of the Democratic senators would filibuster this. But, you know, what was it, in 2011, they did get a ballot initiative through the legislature somehow only for it to be knocked out right, in exactly. the courts. Yes. So I, I don't know. It's I'm, I'm a little bit more hesitant to pronounce this bill's pass as, as completely you know, impossible with, with with that in mind. But I think it'll be difficult. But I the do. implementation bill, if the governor vetoes it again, the thing I did notice was at least for this vote, they did not get the veto-proof majority. By one vote, yeah. No, a couple more. It was 106. Oh, 106. 106 for the implementation. It was 108. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was 108 on one and 106 on the other. You're, you're right, though. I mean, the fact remains they didn't get it. Right. And um, I wonder if they do end up passing the implementation vote um, out of the House or whatever, 
mm-hmm. whether they, they wait until after April 2nd when they have that special election in Lawrence County. Right. So they have that extra Republican vote to try and make sure they have a little bit of breathing room. Because as we know, I, I don't know if we touched on this, but there's been a falling out with the Democratic caucus and Penny Hubbard of St. Louis. Right. But I don't think this is an issue that she's going to join Republicans no. on. It just doesn't seem like she's ever voted for voter ID. So this is one they would need all the Republicans for, almost certainly. Yes, I mean, yeah, and they, they also passed in, in, in the Senate, second injury fund. Jason, yeah, I'll just briefly, t- about that? I'll briefly touch on it. There's and been, what the second injury fund is? Uh, the second injury fund is, it's a very complicated thing, but it's basically a fund that incentivizes businesses to hire people with previous injuries. And it's been basically insolvent because of various reasons, but mainly because... The legislature in 2005... Five, they... they, they cap the this surcharge on workers' compensation premiums that goes to fill this fund, and they've just been running out of money since. So they changed it to where they increased, they allow them to increase the cap from 3% to 6%. They're limiting the types of injuries that they're going to pay out benefits for. And they also had a compromise with whether to put occupational disease into the workers' compensation system by setting up another fund within the second injury fund that will be paid out to people for various uh, injuries inflicted with occupational disease, including a mesophilioma, which is a very, very unpleasant and deadly d- disease with the lungs. So I-, I wrote about it today. You can probably read more about it at stlistbeacon.org. But this has been an issue that there's been no traction on for years. And the fact that the Senate was able to pass it. They passed it a few minutes ago, 33, 32 to 2. The final vote. Uh, it, it, it could be a sign that the Senate is is becoming a little bit more functional than previous years. But we'll have to see how, how it's, it fares in the House before, you know, popping the champagne on that. But I'm sure everyone listening has already popped the champagne for their Valentine's Day celebration. Wow. So. <laughs> that works out so well. <laughs> Just amazing. Haven't some of us? Yeah, we'll be doing that. We this we followed our script very well this episode. Uh, well, that should just about do it. I hope everyone had a wonderful Valentine's Day. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @csmcdaniel. You can follow Jason on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. You can find Joe at Jay Manis. That's J M A N N I E S. Joe and Jason are at stlbeacon.org, and I'm at stlpublicradio.org. Until then, we'll be back next week. So long. So long. Happy Valentine's Day.